right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. We're going to dive straight in. Uh, We're going to be talking about a lot of heavy stuff today, uh, but we're going to keep it light as we do. Uh, But privacy is important uh, and privacy is a really big part of uh, being able to be a sovereign individual, being able to be someone who is uh, taking ownership not only for their actions and taking consequences for those, uh, but taking ownership over their assets so that nobody can can seize them or nobody can tell you what you can and cannot do with them. Um, and privacy is a big part of like you know maintaining control over that, control over your life. Um, so we're going to bring on Alex Ship, who's an expert in that. He's the chief strategy officer of Offshift. Um, and Offshift is doing you know some tremendous work in the crypto space. Um, and I'm also joined uh, by an- another special guest who joins me every week, uh, Mr. Aaron Pizza Mind Malone. So uh, before we bring on our guest, Alex, uh, Aaron, how are you feeling? I'm doing good, man. Bryce, are you extra inspired today by that Chinese spy balloon? What's going on over there? <laughs> I don't know what it is. It must be something in the new reverse osmosis water system I just installed under my kitchen sink. And no, this is not an ad. <laughs> Well, while you're doing lots of chores around the house, uh, you got lots of time to think about privacy and making sure those windows are locked. No one's breaking in in uh, the crazy world of California over there. <laughs> Everything's nice and peaceful here in Texas, fortunately, because we really, really care about that stuff. Uh, and when it comes to financial privacy, mm-hmm. we're now seeing that uh, veil being lifted as all this news about the political donations that Sam Bankman-Fried made have now finally been published uh, when there wasn't a list before, now there magically is mm-hmm. as they're asking for works. the money back. Classic. Funny how that works. When who's yeah, asking for the receipts, works. right? You'll, you'll yeah. be able to find them if the right person's asking. <laughs> uh, anyhow, uh, Alex Ship, welcome to uh, the Crypto 101 podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, already, you guys are sharing a bunch of anecdotes that I'm ready to comment on. <laughs> Well, let's let's hit it. What, what's your first what's your first uh, inkling? Where, where would you want to take this conversation today? Well, I mean, I, I, I'm supposed it would be best for me to introduce myself or I should say reintroduce myself. I was actually on here with you one on one in March 2022. Uh, yes, you were. Aaron, uh, pizza mind. You said pizza mind. Malone. We, <laughs> I did not get to meet Aaron. So, Aaron, this is uh, this is our first run in here. So uh, I'm looking forward to, to getting both you guys this time around. Um, it's yeah, a pleasure, so, Alex. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll just I'll sort of kick off here. Um, I'm the CSO at Offshift. Uh, we are pioneering PriPire, private decentralized finance on Ethereum Layer One, and we're launching our debut platform the week of February 27th, Offshift and on. Uh, so we're very excited and have sort of a lot to talk about there, and uh, definitely a lot to share with our community and others. And, and I'm doing the rounds here. Um, but yeah, on-chain privacy in particular, uh, there's there's so much to be said. Um, and not just not just on the uh, the CFI side, you know, so to speak, whether you're talking about a centralized exchange or, or the the recent stuff with Celsius Network and that whole uh, release via the court order of, of user data and user information, but then of course also uh, you know the centralized exchange stuff with with um, FTX. So there's mm-hmm. there's a whole lot there that's on the centralized side, but on the DeFi side, a lot of people might not be aware, even though it was a little bit of a news piece from I believe TechCrunch uh, this past week that addressable. Uh, which is a sort of digital uh, fingerprint startup. I'm not sure if you guys have heard, uh, but they just raised 7.5 million, claiming that they can actually link uh, on-chain addresses. That means Ethereum addresses, EVM addresses, 
two social media accounts, namely Twitter. They claim they've already linked 17 million addresses to social media accounts on Twitter uh, using their proprietary algorithms. So that's I'm not going to lie. When I read that news report about addressable, I was like calling bullshit. I'm like, this is Theranos for crypto. There's no fucking way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you'd like to think that, right? I mean, it, whether or not, whether or not they are the real deal or whether or not they come through on their word, I think it's sort of, it, it's, it's, it's sort of an ominous, you know, note that people are working on this. There is money behind it. There are some VCs who believe in it. And so you can imagine one, two, three years out, there's going to be something that looks like addressable that's going to be operational and functional. Yeah, Alex, you know, tell me why, right? Why do people care about um, de-anonymizing, you know, folks on the web? Is there a financial incentive? Uh, Is what's the reason that there's such a an offensive against the uh, the individual? Yeah, it always starts with that big M word, marketing, right? I mean, marketing is always sort of the, uh, they want to, I mean, marketing is really the, where that first revenue stream, I think, takes form. That's kind of the big piece, which is where and it exists in web too, right? Through the social media organizations. But I think understanding your target market, understanding the demographics of the people that you're trying to, you know, notify or, or instill awareness about your products, your services, your platforms, that's, that's sort of where the, the first, I think that's where the foothold is taken initially. Um, and so that's at least, and again, addressable, you can look at their release. That is the, what they claim to be their business model, which is marketing to Web3 individuals and understanding those dem- that demographic and, and what these people are doing in the Web3 space. Um, so I think it starts there. It always starts there. Um, and of course, data in general, I believe in 2017, 2018, there was that Economist article that data is now the world's most valuable commodity. It's past oil. Um, and so now there's, it's, it's been pretty well established that there is tangible wealth vested in your data. Uh, and if, if an organization can aggregate a huge amount of data from a large number of individuals, which they can identify, then that's really powerful. They can make, you know, what you see Facebook making, what you see a lot of social media organizations making. But that's, that's sort of what's called surveillance capitalism. Everyone's quite familiar with that now. But I think there's sort of this new addressable marks the beginning of this sort of new era of what I would call free market surveillance, which is where there's enough data that's available publicly between social media and other things where people have identified themselves, maybe pseudonymously, maybe personally, and anyone who can create the algorithms to link anonymous information to their public information can then have a lot of of really good stuff that they can sell as well. Um, And so right now it's hard to be anonymous in the digital domain, even in crypto, simply because you have your social media account and then those algorithms can track what you're doing in there and they can relate them to your social media account. And and unfortunately uh, you end up, you you know, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. I've been trying to warn people that they really haven't learned anything from the Cambridge Analytica scandal or letting Mark Zuckerberg mine all of their conversations with uh, chat GPT. Now they're just letting Sam Altman mine all of their thoughts and their work uh, without a second thought. Um, Why do you need a phone number? to sign up for chat GPT in the first place. Has anyone ever asked themselves? Uh, it's quite scary that the lessons are just not learned. It's to verify, right? I mean, it's to verify that you're not a bot spinning up account and going to spam the network. And it's so that the person they're, they're I think they're verifying that it's a person actually making requests on the chat GPT. So it doesn't crash from a DDoS, right? So you need to have a 
a phone number well, behind it the, because that's not spoofable. Not just anybody can have a phone number. And they don't. I don't think they let you do the uh, the Google Voice numbers or the Voice over IP stuff. I don't know, man. There's plenty of bots that have phone numbers these days. They tend to call me nonstop if I ever owe anything. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to have to refute that one. Touché, but there's touché. also plenty of things like HCAPTCHA and things that don't give away your yes. personal information or link you to uh, link your personal data to whatever's going on over there. So again, I, I just don't know about that, but it's good to know, I guess that they're trying to use these tools to maybe airdrop me a free NFT that I might be interested in <laughs> as opposed to like snooping on every transaction I might make or who my friends are at least for now. So, you know, let, let's think positive about this stuff too. Um, Personally, I like targeted ads, whatever I, I mean, I'm a sucker for buying things from Instagram. They show me a lot of cool stuff all the time. Like, Honestly, I it's I Instagram like and Facebook have nailed their algo. I was golfing with a buddy they the have. other day who had Twitter shoes, so uh, short, his whole, fa- his whole outfit, he has shoes, clubs, uh, gloves, everything that he bought from Instagram ads. And he was just a walking wow. Instagram ad. It was hilarious. Wow. I got the shirt from an Instagram ad. <laughs> Alex, how'd you get interested in this stuff? Like, how did you get interested of being on the other side, uh, fighting the, uh, the, the marketing algos and, and even more than that, just, you know, empowering the individual, what were you doing before and what got you interested? Yeah. I mean, this is sort of my foray into crypto began really early. Well, I mean, I joined or got involved in crypto in 2017, but my foray probably started when I learned about central banking several, uh, several years, even earlier, um, and to me, the issue has always been about rehypothecation, fractional reserve lending. That's sort of where the imbalance begins. Um, and so to me, the Bitcoin presented a brilliant and, and to me, comprehensive solution at the monetary level. And DeFi does a really good job at the level of finance. The challenge is that the virtual domain is being used sort of foundationally to create and implement and use these systems. And therein, data becomes rehypothecated as the foremost you know, form of wealth. Uh, and so that's where you run into some new challenges, where to me, rehypothecation is now taking place all over again. Um, and so privacy, to me, sort of seals the gap or brings the whole the whole uh, vision full circle. It's what's needed, and it's especially needed in the decentralized layer one environments like Ethereum. Um, and, and I think, you know, but even to take that one step further, whether it's addressable or whether it's it's just this this linking, that's the issue, is that if you're in the digital environment and you want this one siloed, closed-in space where you're private... If any element of that, like just again, on-chain address is visible, it's really difficult because you've hooked in your phone number here, your name there, you've hooked in your every, every, a lot of different other transactions and stuff that's public data. And so there's so many easy ways to develop really sophisticated, true, but they are very, very much in existence now, algorithms that can link the stuff that's private about you to the stuff that's public about you. Um, and so you really need a way of restoring your anonymity on-chain. You need to be able to do a, you know, it's sort of like digital housekeeping, I would call it. Yeah, no, I think that's a pretty good analogy, uh, digital housekeeping, cleaning the cobwebs out. Um, but do you ever kind of worry, not worry, but maybe think about or consider um, other kind of privacy preserving technologies and the uphill battle that they face uh, with regulators? How do you guys think about that? Yeah, that is a big challenge. Um, I think on one hand, you know, the, the mission for everyone is to develop a decentralized solution and fully pass off. I mean, if you're in DeFi or if you're in the crypto space and your goal isn't to eventually pass off, you know, to dissolve, so to speak, and pass on everything to a DAO, uh, you're not really in line with the mission. So that's obviously a big part of it, um, is that you want to be decentralized and community governed and community run and community owned. That is, you know, 
part and parcel what crypto is about. Um, as far as the challenges with with regulators and authorities, I think there there are you know like Jake Chervinsky is someone who's sort of been been a big leader in the space and has emerged as someone with the blockchain association that are doing some really important work on behalf of the small grassroots teams across the space. We're certainly a, a grassroots team. Um, because once you start picking up the money, once you start working and getting the VCs involved in some of the big organizations so that you can fund legal development uh, and, and have those individuals on your team, then, of course, you're kind of getting away from that decentralized, you know, grassroots ethos, that whole narrative. So I think the the big thing, though, is that you have to just go ahead and do the thing that you you know is is right at the end of the day. Uh, I did um had a, um, a fireside chat with Edward Snowden last year. Uh, where he sort of said that he said that in the long run, the projects that are doing the right things and operating with integrity will make it. Um, and, and he believes wow. that firmly. So do I. Um, I think it will be a bumpy ride. And there are a lot of things that we can't control that no one can control. But having at least at the very least, the blockchain association, like I said, at, at the forefront, some people that can represent the space is really important. And I think it's also, again, about education. There, there have been a few people in Congress, uh, some Emmer, I believe, and you have Cynthia Luma. So there are some people who are starting to show up and say, hey, actually, I've done my homework. Actually, I've educated myself. And some of the stuff that's going on in this space uh, needs to be protected and we need to be hands off and respectful. So I think there there is hope. But yeah, it's going to be a challenging and bumpy ride, no doubt. Yeah. And anything that's new always scares the government. Like back in the 90s when PGP encryption first came out, Congress wanted to ban it due to it being a threat for national security. Like, oh my God, people can you know code their messages like the CIA can now. We can't let this happen. Um, but because they backed off and did allow that to happen, now we have e-commerce, which and the the world's completely transformed because of it. Bingo. So, not too worried about uh, laws and regulators. Those people come and go. Laws come and go. Get changed and overturned all the time. So I'll agree with Edward on this one. Just build it with integrity. Uh, make it built to last. It'll be just fine. So let's talk about what you actually are building over there and how it's different from some of the existing privacy solutions. Give us the rundown of what we're going to see when you launch on February 27th. Yeah, yeah. So we're launching our platform off. Well, it's the week of February 27th, I should say, just to clarify. Um, but yeah, the uh, the platform is Offshift and On, um, and it's a fully layer one privacy application runs on Ethereum uh, where users can restore their anonymity on chain. Uh, and that means that they can take our native token XFT, they can burn that, and then they can mint on the other side to a unique address um, and on assets. So we have these right now when we launch, we'll have one anon asset that'll be anon USD. But it's it's sort of a palette of synthetics is the longer term vision or the midterm vision, whereby users can be dissociated from their capital in minting that synthetic, that stablecoin, wherever you want to call it. Uh, on the other side. Um, and then from there, the idea is, can we integrate these Anon assets, Anon USD in particular, into existing public DeFi platforms? Can we create a sort of community and a token around privacy? Um, one thing I would, would like to speak to is what you said sort of about um, regulators. There is also a huge, privacy has become, uh, you know, uh, rather ironically mainstream. Uh, and that you see Apple's privacy campaign. You see every, privacy is becoming such a big and mainstream concept at this point that people are interested in it. Um, and I think that's really important. Um, if, if anyone at all um, wants to restore their on-chain privacy for any reason, uh, they're going to be able to. And I think they're becoming more and more educated about why they need to do so. I also think that other DeFi platforms in the space are going to be interested 
in getting some exposure to privacy. You see MakerDAO, for example, having some USDC behind DAI, and a lot of platforms that have collateralized stablecoins or collateralized synthetics might want to diversify those collateral pools, might want some exposure to privacy if they believe it's going to be another big growth catalyst for the space. So I think there's room, there isn't really any synthetic, there isn't really any on-chain stablecoin out there that gives platforms exposure to this demand for on-chain privacy. So we're kind of trying to get that going as far as our community is concerned, as far as our platform is concerned, and but really more widely as far as the entire Ethereum layer one ecosystem is concerned. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Wow, awesome. So so am I getting this right that maybe one of the ideal scenes is that Offshift will create a stable coin collateralized by a bunch of these uh, private assets, um, potentially? Well, I'd say other way around. So Offshift is generating the the Anon asset, right? The Anon asset is built, is designed, or is is minted through our protocol. You take XFT, you could actually even do it right from Ethereum, and the buying and burning of the XFT takes place under the hood. Um, And what happens is you submit 0.05F, and you select, you designate a withdrawal address. So when you put that XFT, you burned it into the protocol, you can mint to a new address the Anon asset, the Anon USD. At that point, you become dissociated from your capital and you are the anonymous owner of Anon USD at a separate, fresh Ethereum wallet address all on layer one. From that point, as more people, we build a market for this. We have an LP rewards program for Anon USD wrapped F. 
people begin to start to build a market. It, it's a public ERC-20 token. That's kind of the beauty of it. It's There are no barriers to feature implementation or platform integration and other platforms that may want to integrate or may want to use it in a decentralized lending platform. Um, and again, on a synthetics or, or um, um, like another collateralized protocol that has a stablecoin uh, can start to use that somewhat for their collateral. Um, and so that's a really exciting thing that we want to see is is a token that signifies, that represents demand for privacy and, and the principles of absolute privacy at the individual level as a, as a human right um, being integrated around the space. This is nothing less than an absolute godsend for so many people around the world that are experiencing crazy hyperinflation in their countries or a new central bank digital currency encroaching on their freedoms. Like uh, Nigeria right now is having all kinds of issues with uh, their cash being purposely removed from the system to start grooming them for a central bank digital currency. And because of this, Bitcoin's at all-time highs over there. But if there was something stable to move their wealth into in any market condition, uh, whether it's capital flight from a communist country or just people trying to preserve their existing wealth from hyperinflation, which is going on all over the world, uh, this is incredible. This has really been a huge missing piece of the ecosystem, something where draconian governments can't seize or stop capital flight uh, from leaving their grasp and people are taking the power back. So uh, I commend you greatly for what you've built. And it's really exciting to see this is composable. And that's a word you're going to hear a lot more in uh, the days and years to come composable with the rest of the DeFi ecosystem and all the money Legos being built on Ethereum. So great job. Thank you. Yeah, composability, I think, is a really big part of it um, for us, definitely. Uh, what we were doing previously building out a platform that I talked about the last time I was on was that we would have these confidential on-chain assets, which are, you know, it's a pretty profound idea as well. But of course, they are cryptographic commitments. There's any sort of integration, any sort of feature that would be added would represent a major technical milestone. Whereas an anon asset being a fully public standard ERC-20 token, yeah, it's extremely composable. And I think composability is really part and parcel of what's important for users that are interested in privacy because it needs to be user-friendly. Uh, at this point, as privacy hits the mainstream, if, if it's not user-friendly, most people are going to be averse and probably are going to step away. If it's expensive, they're definitely going to step away. Uh, so for us, a huge part of it is being sort of, as we say, sort of a one-stop, two-click opt-out. You know, want to be private today. It's, it's digital housekeeping. It's something where you can restore your anonymity on chain just like that. It's real simple. Anyone can do it. Um, and so those assets being composable too, being able to exist in other ecosystems on other platforms is really important as well. Yeah. Outside of Ethereum, uh, who do you like? What ecosystems or platforms uh, is are competitive, are, are looking good? Who do you like? Mm. <laughs> Who's your pick? Um, yeah, outside of I'm not here to vouch for any layer ones. I don't want this to be mistaken for a, um, you know, no, no, no. no financial advice. Yeah, yeah, not a not a personal promotion. Um, you know, we we had originally and we did we deployed on Substrate and we have bridge to um to Moon River, which is um you know sort of the Polkadot. what we saw as these the strongest EVM parachain. Um, that is on Kusama though, not Polkadot. The Moonbeam would ah. be the the EVM parachain on Polkadot. Um, we we do have a bridge to Moon River. As, I mean, so we that was sort of been that was when we when we set that up. That was and sort of remains today to be our our second bet. I'm not sure how much of a community has really taken form over there in Polkadot or on Kusama at this stage in the game in 2023. 
Um, we did like their consensus, did like a lot of what they're doing. At this point, though, honestly, we're very focused on Ethereum. And it seems to be that Ethereum is, is really where all of the development is and it's where the community base is. Um, and so, of course, you do have some challenges going across chains with liquidity fragmentation and these sorts of things. I don't, I don't want to say that we, we are opposed to going onto another chain in the future because we're not. And we, we do keep an eye open about, you know, this, this space changes so, so fast. Um, but for that, that being said, we've, we've really owned in on Ethereum and especially for launching our mainnet here and for the, for the foreseeable future, we're, we're very Ethereum focused. Is all privacy created equal or are some algorithms and technologies maybe a little bit more private and secure than others? Mm. How should we, as the general public, go about grading the different privacy options that are out there? Well, I will say that, hmm. That's a really personal question. Depends on the individual. Um, I think one of the big pieces that I there are a few pieces I actually like to mention there. One, of, I definitely don't think all privacy solutions are created equal. No, <laughs> um, you know, at this stage, unfortunately, it's just there are just so many prying eyes and prying hands that you really have to to do a little bit of homework at least and and see what you think is going to stand the test of time. Um, that's why, and again, I think one of the big pieces is composability because you can build a really robust privacy solution. In, like Monero is one I could definitely speak very positively about, and Monero has a great community around them. As DeFi has sort of taken form over the last few years, though, being siloed, being isolated, drives a pretty high cost because it, it takes users away from yields. So now you're choosing between privacy and yields. That's not a great situation. It's not one that anyone really wants to be in, except for the absolute, the, you know, the sort of the, the core supporters, the core believers in privacy. So to me, it's, I think at the end of the day, what makes you have on one side, the technical it needs to be technically really robust and audited and all sorts of things. We went through an audit. Um, but then on the other side of that, you know, the, the second piece that's so important is the composability, which you alluded to, which is that, you know, what are the trade-offs one to using this? If I can't access yields, if I can't provide liquidity, if I are no synthetics, if I'm just having one coin, which is volatile and I'm sending it between addresses, what can't I do? And that the answer in 2023 is a lot. Um, and then the second piece, of course, you know, is, um, is again, like, where else can I go? Um, and, and the answer in that case is no, uh, is there's almost nowhere else you can go. You're kind of stuck to that chain. So composability is really an important piece. And of course, user-friendly is the other side, which is how difficult is this to learn to master? And I think Monero is pretty simple at this point to use. Um, so, you know, credit to them. But again, like in, in the, like, ex for example, if you want to use like Onion or Tor, these sorts of things, again, it needs to be super simple. And, and that's the best way we're going to get privacy sort of, especially when you talk about from a regulatory standpoint, where will the challenges be? The more people that are interested in privacy, the more people that are able to access and restore their own privacy will, will make for a better situation at the regulatory level. Because the, at, at the end of the day, they have to respond to the people. Yeah. And actually speaking of people, that's a great segue, um, you know, to your team uh, and yourself. I mean, to you know, I guess when I think of privacy teams, you have the Moneros of the world where it's a anonymous developer base um, or you have a lot of these other protocols, secret network, anonymous devs. Um, and so it's hard to, you know, take, have those guys go negotiate for you at, at Capitol Hill. <laughs> uh, but do you have, do you have a, a bunch of shadowy super coders as they refer themselves uh, per the meme? Um, or, or are you guys a bunch of buttoned up businessmen who are just trying to uh, kind of do things a different way or somewhere in between? Yeah, I mean, we we do have a very brilliant team. I'm the the sort of face and name that's public. Everyone else is anonymous. And so it's it's on me to sort of communicate their vision and express my own perspective at the same time. 
Um, they are, I mean, our, our, our mission sort of, our mission statement sort of, our philosophy sort of mirrors what Green, Glenn Greenwald said, um, which was that people in positions of public power and public service, public duty, for them, everything should be transparent. For every for everyone else, we should have privacy. Um, and so insofar as they're individuals, they do choose to protect their privacy and remain anonymous. Totally fine. But insofar as we're, we're producing, we're developing, we have developed and we're launching a platform for public use, we need to provide as much transparency and we have into the development process, into the audit process, into the philosophy behind the platform, the tokenomics that underpin it and everything else. Um, I do want to say, though, that, yeah, as far as the, the regulation, it's yeah, it's it's tough because, again, I alluded to it at the beginning. But if you want to be a grassroots a grassroots team, then it's really difficult to have a whole legal department and to fund that. Um, and so I, yeah, I, I think I can't say enough positive things about the Blockchain Association then and Jake Travinsky because they are at least standing up for a large group of privacy projects. Privacy projects are on the rise and it's not just in crypto either. I mean, you do have the Proton Mails, you do have the, the Brave browsers and you do have other sorts of technologies, private messaging platforms that are popping up everywhere. And yeah, we do need a representative um, to sort of defend us in, against, you know, uh, sort of authoritarian encroachment. What do you think about the Ethereum ecosystem as a whole? You know, there's been so many development updates and proposals that have been passed. What should we expect coming down the pipeline here in 2023 in terms of improvements? Oof. Well, I, I have spoken on the merge previously um, a bit. That's something we're really interested in, particular with the Verge, if that starts to pick up some steam and if you know that sort of development process gets underway, because that will vastly improve layer one scalability, which is really important to us as a project committed to layer one. But I think just from listening into Vitalik, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse here, but I mean, he came out at F Denver 2022 last year and said privacy is really the missing piece on Ethereum as far as, you know, pragmatic use cases are concerned. He went again on the Up Only podcast and talked about it. And now he recently published on Twitter that um, it, was, it was sort of a lengthy document about his take on stealth addresses. So it seems like there are so many different angles that are being explored right now. I mean, there are obviously ZKs in the roll-up department for scalability, um, but it seems like that's going quite well. Um, and, and again, a lot of the stuff that's happening on Polygon and other layer two environments for scalability is excellent. And there is, there is a use case for that. But as far as privacy and especially layer one privacy, that's the place where I think a lot of really smart people that want to get Ethereum adopted and, and sort of moved into the public uh, is that that's a big area. And I think it's one that this year there's going to be a lot of different I don't want to say experimentation, but I think a lot of people are moving in that direction and it's going to become more widely accepted, which is really important, which sort of taking privacy out of that. It's been relatively demonized, unfortunately. Um, but I think, you know, in the Ethereum ecosystem now, there are just so many more individuals and organizations and development teams working on it. And to have sort of that 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 leading figure, Vitalik, you know, for it's not, not great to idolize a guy, but um, someone who's who's out there as a as sort of the, the foremost figure of the ecosystem speaking about privacy as, as a necessary component uh, of, of the ecosystem is is great. So, yeah, I, I do think there's going to be a lot going on there. Love it. And, and kind of to, to wrap things up, uh, one last question for you. I'm curious, um, what's like the, the secret sauce, right? What's the, the special sauce that goes into Offshift uh, that makes it successful? Um, is it some fancy technology? Um, is it a really strong community? If you were to kind of try to ping it down to one thing. Well, I do have to say a lot of positive things about our community. We do have some really knowledgeable people. 
Um, but but I but I will say though, if there is one secret sauce on the technical side, it's zk proofs, zero knowledge proofs. Which you know, even okay. to answer the previous question, to, to to elaborate more deeply, that is the big theme. And I think a lot of people spoke about it in 2022 or even 2021, thinking it would be the big the big thing of the year. But at this point, zk proofs are really emerging, um, and that's what allows you to share or validate rather some information without exposing that information. So that is the secret sauce for all privacy solutions at this point. It's one of the most promising technologies in the space. And again, I, I alluded to ZK uh, rollups earlier. It's also really useful for scalability. Um, so between the layer two solutions and the privacy solutions on chain, uh, zero knowledge proofs are the absolute secret sauce. And for us using ZK snarks for, for our debut platform is is what makes it work. I mean, bottom line, without that, it's, it's yeah. yeah, it's not happening you know, really. I didn't mean to throw you for such a head fake, but I got a follow-up question. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is there any limitations right now to scaling um, you know, ZK proofs? Because I've actually started to see a lot of companies come out and say they're giving, you know, they're providing infrastructure for hardware acceleration of ZK proofs. Um, is this kind of like needed or what's kind of the state of like making ZK proof computation super scalable um, to like, you know, be in everybody's phone, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, this is one of the challenges with, I wish, because we have some brilliant, brilliant technical people on our team who deserve to answer these questions. Uh, what I can say is, is yeah, definitely scalability for the ZK proofs is so, so, so important because, yeah, they are computationally intensive, very computationally intensive. Um, with our previous platform, which we developed, but found that it wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to deploy it on layer one because it uses bulletproof ZK proofs, which are way too computationally intensive for Ethereum layer one in its current form. Uh, and so, you know, for the time being, we have this, this other platform that we're about to launch, which is employs ZK snarks with, with an SN instead of ZK snarks with the T, which is also too computationally intensive for layer one. Um, and so right now, ZK snarks involve what's called a, it's called a multi-party computation ceremony because it uses a common reference string or for, for every transaction and to carry out operations in the protocol. And you can generate that string in a trustless or a somewhat decentralized way with a lot of people contributing and discarding their piece of the string. So <clears throat> ZK snarks can be used and they are much, 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 much more efficient. Um, but again, to really, when you want to get deeper, when you want to build confidential synthetics and things, yeah, you're absolutely right. The computational intensity is extreme. And one angle there, I, I mean, the the specialized hardware is an interesting angle to scalability as well. That's, that's sort of coming up or popping up because, yeah, a lot of people are saying, wow, yeah, at the layer one level, it's just so difficult to make that work. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that's, that's a really big piece for people in the privacy space that don't want to compromise on the principles, that want to keep it decentralized, that are saying, okay, what other alternatives do we have to putting this ZK proof stuff on a layer two? Um, and that's a really interesting angle. Um, I, yeah, I, I'd like to see more and more of it. But I, the last thing I'll say to that is the Verge is yeah. one of the one of the better one of the better pieces. Um, the Verge what is, is it called well the Verge V E R G E. The merge is okay. composed of the merge, the surge, the verge, the splurge, and the purge, and that that was sort of all put out. Yeah, and yeah, I remember that. Is, okay. Yeah, yeah. Each one is a different element of Ethereum scalability, and so the merge is focused on um, the proof of stake transition. And the surge is focused on the rollups, getting layer two scalability. But the 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 verge is focused on switching to a vector based a vector based hash system, I believe, um, away from Merkle trees that will make layer one scalability much more efficient. Wow. When should we expect that to go live? Uh, of course, that's a a loaded question. But <laughs> uh, until there's any further updates or delays, what's the current schedule? 
Well, the Vitalik said in an interview uh, with Bankless um, that, it, and that was at the beginning of 2022, I believe. So that's it. We're already a year into that, that he believes the entire process will be complete in six years. Uh, so five more. Okay. But the thing is that it's not it's not really happening in sequentially. It's not like the merge is complete, then the surge is complete. Then they're all sort of on, in an ongoing process gradually. So the verge is, you know, in that way is is when those pieces that are necessary from the verge get completed is hard to say. Um, we sort of keep an eye on that and see how development's looking. But yeah, they're they're all sort of moving, uh, sort of in lockstep. Um, so the you wow. know, yeah. So it's exciting. It's exciting to see what can happen on layer one and, and how much more scalable it can become. Love it. Well, shit, I learned quite a bit today. Uh, Alex Ship, thank you for dropping some knowledge bombs here on us uh, at Crypto yeah. 101 Podcast. We hope to have you back on again soon. Thank you. It's a pleasure every time. Yeah.